The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. So you're probably wondering where I've been. Where has Raz been since about December 1st? I'll just give you a little update. December 1st is when I I broke my femur. Um, And the only reason it hasn't healed fully yet, but doing really good on the days when I'm not so dizzy, I can use a cane, that sort of thing. But uh, after I broke my femur, that's when they found the bone marrow cancer. And uh, so that became really the thing that I had to uh, deal with. And uh, T and I, I remember December 15th when we found out the news, um, you know, we just moved into action. So I actually had my first chemotherapy the, day, uh, the Friday before Christmas. What a gift that is, right? But about 16 weeks of that, learned a lot of beautiful lessons, and the bone marrow ended up being, I mean, the uh, break in the femur ended up being such a blessing because I had no, no symptoms or signs of cancer whatsoever until they saw the broken leg, and it had, the cancer had eaten away a lot of the leg. That's why it broke. So, you know, early on, I wasn't quite ready to share all that, not until about February, but uh, how did he break his leg? What, were you skiing? <laughs> Now, I wish I had a sexy story about all that, but uh, I was actually opening up the blinds in the dining room. Yeah, go figure, right? So um, right about in April, when I went to John of God, I stopped doing the chemo for about two months, but I had a possibility of, of doing a uh, bone marrow transplant. Sounds interesting. How do they transplant bone marrow? Well, I didn't know either. And I was a little skeptical at first, but I realized that all of this came at a time when, uh, you know, I'm, I was born at the right time, let's say that, or found out about this at the right time because I ended up doing the bone marrow transplant and they used, I was the uh, donor. Now that sounds a little weird, I know, but they were able to take out uh, some healthy stem cells. So what they did on my new birthday, I have a new birthday now, June 29th, they reinserted the um, healthy uh, bone marrow cells, the stem cells, and so today I am 37 days old. But you don't have to change my diapers or any of that kind of stuff. But it, they do look at it that way, you know, because they strip your bone marrow and I'm, I'm manufacturing new white and red blood cells. I'll talk a little bit more about this later, but I tell you, if it wasn't for the God Squad and what I kept calling the secret sauce, um, I would share it with everybody who wanted to hear it, but science of mind, you know, the tools that I learned over the 30 years we've been around science of mind, let alone the 17 years as a minister. So what a gift. Uh, And I know everybody here has that same gift whenever a challenge uh, shows itself is to use what we teach because by God, it works. All right, so I might as well do the talk. That's what I got ready for, right? So the talk today is Journey to Joy. I look at every challenge I've ever had has been part of establishing that journey to joy. And the first thing I want to talk about is fear. You know, fear can be a debilitating emotion for any of us. Fear is what can get in the way of, of transforming a challenge into a possibility, transforming uh, a barrier into a possibility. 
And I am so, uh, you know, all the work that I've done to learn about quantum physics and all these wonderful things, you know, listening to Deepak Chopra and getting that life is always a series of possibilities. And I realized myself how much fear would hold me back. You know, on this being recovery month, recovery Sunday, um, I, I get to reflect back on all sorts of different things. And it was just about a week and a half ago, I celebrated 25 years of sobriety. Thank you. You know, it, it, it seems like yesterday in some ways and forever in other ways. You know, I, I've been born again a few times. Uh, this 25-year thing really caught me this year because it was 25 years ago that I broke my back. And then, you know, 25 years later, I break my leg. I'm 25 years sober. I figure 25 years from now, I am staying in the house. <laughs> exactly. You know, so fear can be an obstacle. It can also stymie changes that we actually want to make. I watched that in 12-step rooms, how much fear, and sometimes it was just fear of change. And I was right there with them in my early days of sobriety is I wouldn't mind change as long as nothing had to be different. <laughs> and of course, that's not exactly possible. You know, I changed friends. Uh, fortunately, I didn't change families. You know, my family accepted that, you know, this is something I needed to do, and they could tell. You know, the people around you can tell, by the way, that it's time for you to stop something, um, even stop telling bad jokes. Um, my boys were very good. It's like, Dad, that's not very funny. So, you know, by the way, I would still use it. But, you know, a lot of people are consumed by fear. And I was talking with Tina yesterday as we were driving around the mountains. It's good to get out of the house and see this beautiful place that we live. But she, I was asking her, what do you do when fear shows up? And she says, you know, what I do is I call someone. You know, I talk to someone. That is such a powerful um, way to go about it, to not just try to do it on your own. By the way, there's no merit badge for doing it on your own. It doesn't exist. We just had a bunch of Boy Scouts at our house this past week, and uh, I'm sure they would agree there's no merit badge for doing it by yourself. So I really encourage you to reach out if fear is consuming you. Another thing I like to do on Recovery Sunday is I just want to pause a moment and talk directly to anyone who's currently experiencing some addiction that is just holding your life at bay, holding your life for hostage, I want you to know that today we have Reverend Carol Wilkie over in the community center. She's now in charge of our recovery ministry, and we have 25 recovery providers. So if you are feeling like today is the day that you are going to make a decision that I'm done with this. I'm ready to overcome fear, to let it no longer hold me. I want you to reach out. That's all I did. You know, I was right where you are. So whether you're in person here or watching online, I just want you to know we care. Uh, Reverend Carol or any of the ministers here are available. You can talk to our practitioners, but please do it. You know, your life can be better than what it is right now, and I just plead with you to take that step and reach out. You know, I never know when I'm going to be struck by emotion. But 
talking to all the different people I have over the years, what I realize is how important today is. Reverend Carol was telling me she's now on a task force for opioid addiction, and she was saying that Lakewood itself uh, distributes over 80,000 clean syringes in the process of, you know, there's an exchange program and 80,000 syringes for opioid addiction. So I just want you to know that's right here. That's right in our midst. This is important work. The next area I want to talk about is attitude to attitude. Why isn't it good attitude or bad attitude to good attitude? It's like we all got an attitude, don't we? I mean, you got an attitude. You woke up with one today, and you have a lot of control over what that attitude is. What I noticed is the attitude I had wasn't so great. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of catastrophizing, a lot of I'm not good enough, you know, all those kind of things. And what I've noticed over the last 25 years of going to meetings and being here at Mile High Church and talking to people and going to our spirituality and recovery meeting is it's all about changing an attitude. And that attitude is just so key, so important to our well-being, so I really encourage you to take a look at it. Um, You know, what I noticed in uh, going to the treatment center at the Rocky Mountain Cancer Center over there at St. Anthony's Hospital is the nurses there, I had gone enough, you know, and gotten my treatments. The nurses there I got to know would share with me how they could tell who was going to make it to total remission and who wasn't, and it was attitude That was the number one thing. Did they have a positive attitude? And were were they about creating more life or were they still in fear? You know, so it's, it's just so key to healing is the type of attitude we have, a positive attitude. And, uh, you know, uh, I credit shifting my attitude from negative to positive to really one day at a time realizing that I could challenge some negative belief, even if it's just one a day the transformation starts to take place because there's more and more of a positive attitude. I I tell you what, I used to, uh, I always hate to admit this, but I'm going to anyway. And that is, I, I can't tell you the amount of workshops I did where I left at the middle right before I was going to get the golden egg. You know, that, that idea, that thought, that relational thing that was going to transform my life, but I would leave. Ah, those people are stupid. They don't know what the heck they're doing. I almost said hell. Um, But finally, because that's what I would have said, um, but finally I stayed at an inner child journey. And I stayed no matter what. I don't know what came over me, why I decided, but I tell you, it made the world a difference because I started to change my attitude. You know, Um, when Tina and I first got the news on December 15th, I can tell our attitude was completely different than it might have been 20 years before that because I didn't feel fear. I just went, okay, what do we got to do? You know, what's the next step? Um, You know, I, I can bring a lot of life to this situation. I can bring a lot of positive attitude to what's going on. For those of you that don't know, about 10 years ago, having bone marrow cancer was a six-month death sentence. It's already been nine months. You know, and I tell you what, I was clearly uh, diagnosed at the right time 
because not only uh, had they come up with this bone marrow transplant uh, procedure, it was only six years ago. It's like timing is everything sometimes, isn't it? I figure, you know, the next 10 years, they're going to have an app for that. (laughs) You know, they'll just say, scan this part of your body, you know, it'll be like Spock, you know, and all the people on Star Trek. But, you know, it sounds silly, right? I, I don't think we're that far away. And I had no idea that I had picked one of the top four doctors in the country and one of the top 12 hospitals in the country. They were amazing. There was a time when I was in the hospital, it felt like a spa resort. I had somebody coming in and giving me foot massages. They had music therapy, story therapy, any kind of therapy you can think of. Um, It was a great experience. So besides the amazing prayer support that I felt from the ministers and all of you, once I clued you in, I mean, all of that was so important, so key. But there was one thing that I did early on, probably December, January especially, is I listened to a CD that Dr. Joe Dispenza had created. It was called Morning Evening Meditations. What I loved about it, and I wanted to pass on to you, because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be an alcohol or drug addiction. It's just transforming your life in any way possible. And that is the morning meditation. He would suggest that you let go of anything that no longer serves you and create something that this day is going to stand for. You know, just pick one thing. And then in the evening, uh, you know, is forgive yourself for not getting to the one thing you said you'd focus on. <laughs> and take a moment to create intentions for tomorrow. And always be creating your future, one thought at a time. And it was such a gift to be able to do that. I, I just loved the meditation team, and I would often listen to it together. It was so powerful. It was such a, a gift to have that at my disposal, along with you know all the prayers. Thanks for the water, Rama. Ah, that's so good. The next area I wanted to talk about is uh, something I, I saw as a possibility or a uh, mantra. It's no way to maybe to absolutely. You know, some of you were dragged to or invited to come to Mile High Church. And it's possible your first comment was, no way, I am not going to a church. Oh, yeah, but, you know, the music is great and the ministers are funny and they have a really good message. And he said, okay, maybe I'll go. And then they finally got you here, and you went, you know what? The jokes weren't too bad. The music was great, and wow, the message just hit my heart. And I sat in the back, and I cried. You know, and then it was the next time they asked, it was absolutely, I'm going. You know, this works in recovery, too. There's no way am I going to a 12-step meeting. I don't want to admit that I'm an alcoholic, because that'll create the rest of my life. Well, believe it or not, admitting you're an alcoholic is the ticket. That's what opens the door to be able to uh, work on that which is controlling you instead of ignoring it. Even Dr. Ernest Holmes never wanted us to ignore the condition. Just don't give it any more power. That's, That's where the power is, is in realizing that I can transform, I can change. And I love what Bruce Lipton said. He said, we are reality makers, but we can only make what we believe. So what do you believe? You know, what's your attitude? What do you tell yourself every morning? 
The other is from a teacher that I once went to see. Her name is Gangaji. She said, transformation happens in an instant, but the preparation can take a lifetime. I thought for some people, it's not a whole lifetime. I mean, I'm always impressed by those who declare that they're a drug addict or an alcoholic in their teens. That's when I started, was in my teens. And they're already, you know, 20 years ahead of me. Um, I think that's just so great. The willingness to admit I've got an issue. I, I need to get some additional help. I need to reach out and see what you can share with me that will transform my life. So, you know, the no way to maybe to absolutely is uh, you can often hear or see in a person the no way. I, I worked with this guy by the name of Bill. And every morning I would go into the office as an architect and I'd say, so how's it going today, Bill? Well, you know, life is a crap sandwich, and every day you get up and take another bite. (laughs) And of course, he didn't use crap. And I went, Bill, you need a new attitude. And fortunately, the good news is Bill finally found uh, a 12-step meeting for himself, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't say the same thing anymore. But, you know, that's a no-way attitude, isn't it? Yeah, it just sits right there. But he did get a better attitude, and, and uh, what a great thing. You know, this process of going to 12-step meetings, um, you know, I know there can be a lot of fear around that. Will somebody see me? What will they think of me? All those kind of things. But here's what I would share with you, is if you are having issues with addictions, 12-step meetings are the place to go. Even if you go for a while, and you can do a 12-step meeting wherever you want. They're everywhere. Everywhere, really, everywhere. Uh, You can go to them when you're traveling. You can go to them on a Sunday morning. You can go to them every day of the week, every time of the day. Um, And if you'd like to, especially if you're familiar with Science of Mind, I invite you to not only go to a 12-step meeting, which, by the way, we have a great one right here at Mile High Church. It's a meditation meeting. I think it's the only one in the city. And uh, it happens at 6 o'clock every Tuesday over in the middle school classroom. And then on Wednesday, uh, this is what you can do, an and. It doesn't have to be an or. But you can come to the spirituality and recovery meeting where we don't just speak to conference-approved literature, but we use everything, including Ben and Jerry, um, because there's some great things in meditation particularly. But that meeting is Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock. And then for those of you who might be going through a health challenge like I was, I've already been to this meeting, I'm going to be going some more, and that is we have the healing ministry that meets every Wednesday at 6 o'clock over in the chapel. Reverend Kay Johnson, uh, along with Reverend Linda Rengel, both lead that meeting. It's very powerful. It's a great place to be. But that's what you do when you're ready to um, go beyond uh, no way. Maybe it's an absolutely, especially after you've gone at least once. You know, something I talk about each time I do this recovery talk is uh, what is my fourth uh, area, and that's isolation to community. What you've often heard me talk about is that addiction happens in isolation and recovery happens in community. I so believe in that, and I found a quote that I think sums it up so well. It's actually from the big book of AA. And by the way, for those of you that don't know, AA was started by a bunch of metaphysicians in New York. Yeah, some of you didn't know that. 
if you do a little bit of history search, you'll find out that the Oxford group used to go to Sunday morning uh, services uh, from, uh, I'm going to get this wrong, no I'm not, Emmett Fox and uh, a few others would lead the uh, Divine Science Church in New York City. And so what you find in the big book of AA is all sorts of words like creative intelligence, creative medium, uh, divine intelligence. They sound like they came right out of the textbook. It's very fascinating. But here's what I want to share today. On page 312, for those of you that brought your big book, just a joke. The last 15 years of my life have been rich and meaningful. I have had my share of problems, heartaches, and disappointments because that is life. But also I have known a great deal of joy and peace that is the handmaiden of an inner freedom. I have a wealth of friends and an unusual quality of fellowship. For to these people, I am truly related. Community. First through mutual pain and despair and later through mutual objectives and newfound faith and hope. There is no more aloneness. Now there is a sense of belonging, of being wanted and needed and loved. Instead of a bottle and a hangover, we have been given the keys to the kingdom. Boy, I relate so much to that. There were so many Saturdays I didn't get up before 10 or 11. And when I did, it was pretty fuzzy until I could have that first drink again. That seems like an eternity ago. Well, it's 25 years ago. And now I get to get up on a Saturday morning at 6 o'clock or 7 or whatever. And I get to enjoy the day. It's so fun to be able to enjoy the day before it's really gone too far or already so far. You know, it's a powerful time for possibilities. It's right there. And all it takes is a step into it. I'm not going to take any more steps than that, just so you know. (laughs) But I do want you to know that all is not lost. That now is the time. I'm so excited talking to Reverend Carol. We've been friends and uh, golf buddies for a long time. But she was telling me a couple things that she's involved in right now that I think are so great for Mile High to be getting out into the community. She said that she's now part of the Jeffco Opioid Overdose Prevention Committee. That's where she learned that 80,000 syringes had been recovered. But she's also working with the Colorado LGBTQ Mental Health and Substance Abuse Disorder Summit. I'm just so proud of her, the way she's getting out in the community. And of course, she's going to be over there in the community center afterwards, so you can talk to her yourself if you like. And my last point that I want to make today is the journey to joy that I've experienced myself I think I told, you know, whoever's on Facebook, you might have noticed, I said, I will have tears today because it's tears of joy. It's not tears of sadness. They haven't been that way for quite a while. You know, I, I, I get overwhelmed with joy and possibilities sometimes, and that's where the tears come. My experience is when you take these first four steps that I talked about, you're on the journey to joy. You know, it's moving from fear to freedom, getting a good attitude. Those are the ones that help us get beyond no way and maybe to absolutely I'm taking a stand for my life. And of course, getting a community. You know, don't do it by yourself. No merit badge for that. 
You get a community wherever it looks like, whether it's spirituality and recovery or a 12-step meeting or, or Reverend Kay's healing ministry group on Wednesday nights. Find a community. Take a class. We're about to have classes around here. Always come in September, October. <clears throat> it's such a gift to be with other people, to hear their stories and realize that you're not alone. Like I said, I never know exactly where it's going to come from, but never alone. You know, the not enough stuff dissolves. I know I'm enough. I knew I'd have to rely on my notes more today because I'm still regaining some of the short-term memory. You know, I can tell you where I was 25 years ago right now, but it's hard to tell you what I had for breakfast. You know, that's the impact of some of the drugs and the chemo that I've had. But it's getting better every day, and I'm not alone. You know, I go to these treatment centers, and there's lots of people that understand it. And I know there's fellow, uh, and I heard this word for the same time. I couldn't, uh, for the first time, I couldn't believe it. They said, oh, so you're a cancer survivor. Well, I guess I am. I hadn't really thought about it. And I'm kind of, you know... I'm, I'm kind of doing that Wayne Dyer look right now, but the, when the goatee is growing, I'm going to keep it. But I'm not going to keep this, unless it comes back blonde and curly. But I'm kind of liking just using a washcloth for, you know, for cleaning up. That's not a bad thing. So, you know, a journey to joy, I think, begins with baby steps. It's every day. You know, challenging those thoughts that hold us back. You know, it's don't believe everything you think is the way I look at it. You know, we don't always think the best of ourselves. You know, if we treated other people the way we treat ourselves, we wouldn't have many friends, would we? So I really invite you to challenge any thought that isn't supportive of you. You know, and whether whatever you're facing in your life, I invite you to create your new life. You know, be that born-again baby within you when you make that decision to create the life you've already always desired one thought at a time. And remember, we are not our challenges. I saw a quote recently that, you know, cancer is just another chapter in the story of your life. You are not cancer. You are not the addiction. You know, you're far more than that. That's, that's how I feel. So just know that you too can have a great life. And it can begin right in this very moment. Namaste. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church Podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, text 720-230-1404 or visit us at milehighchurch.org. Peace out, friends.